On the new podcast, American Criminal, you'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders, was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. And on the subject of the NFL, I mean, they've never been bigger. In times when broadcast TV is getting just kind of an afterthought, getting swallowed up, a lot of people never watch a broadcast series anymore. They're watching streaming or cable. The NFL ratings for the old traditional broadcast networks this past Sunday on Fox and CBS, uh, both games do more than, I think, upwards of uh, 50 million viewers. And the NFL's ratings uh, set a record. They were highest they had been in a number of years. So the NFL is still the gift that keeps on giving, and that's why the broadcast networks, if they didn't have the NFL right now, and if, if it someday goes away, I don't know who's going to watch them anymore on any given, you know, it's still appointment TV on Sunday. Everyone and welcome to a new episode of Set Lusting Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson, but we are off the Bruce Springsteen train today, and we are talking TV with one of my favorite guests, Uncle Barky, Ed Bark. How are you doing, sir? Doing well uh, in these frigid times. It feels like I'm back in Wisconsin. Yeah, we uh, feeling anymore. The yeah, uh, we are recording this on a very cold uh, day here in the DFW area. I know my listeners from up east and uh, the Midwest are laughing at us, but to us, you know, twenty four is cold. <laughs> so colder region right now here. In Absolutely. So. Uh, I, how's everything been going? Uh, we It's been a couple of months since we talked. Everything's still going well? Things are going well. Uh, still vertical. Just had another birthday. Congratulations uh, and happy birthday. I'm nearing the three-quarter century mark now. There seems to be no stopping this anymore. So one more year and I'm there. <laughs> well, you know, that's... Um, but you're still hanging, you're still staying active. I see you on Twitter a lot and uh, you've agreed just so listeners to know, Ed and I've talked about it and uh, just for fun, he and I are going to meet about every couple of months and just come up with a random topic. And basically it's just an excuse for us to visit. Uh, so I mean, yeah. So the first thing I wanted to talk about, and as I mentioned before I hit recording, uh, Mike Ducey, who is a local sportscaster here in the DFW area, was talking about when he was hired by um, the Channel 4 here in Dallas, that originally it was a CBS affiliate. And then uh, when Fox Network started, um, this, this longtime CBS affiliate moved to Fox. And, and I just wanted to give your little thoughts about, because 
I've now, been, it's been long enough. I remember that, but for the forever, you know, I, I moved into Dallas in 86. So it was a little bit after that, the NFL moved to Fox. So just if you can give me any, I know you covered that time period. Yeah, we uh, devoted a huge amount of attention to that because everybody was thinking, well, how are people going to find their programming now? Because CBS ended up on a, which used to be an independent station, KTVT Channel 11, after Fox bought KDFW, as you mentioned. Yeah. And it was a massive transition. And I remember Rupert Murdoch initially had bought uh, these Metro Media stations, and believe it or not, Cowboys games were actually on uh, which was then known as a UHF station in Dallas uh, for Channel 33 for, I think, a couple of seasons before he then made this unprecedented move to buy some major CBS stations, including Channel 4. And everyone wondered at the time, well, okay, so how's that going to work? Although Fox had kind of proven himself beforehand that they could do the NFL because they had sort of a run up on the uh, other station channel 33. So I think, as I recall, they brought over the team of Summerall and Madden. And so the transition was pretty seamless in that regard. And then I know it seems like forever that Aikman and Joe Buck have been the principal team on Fox, uh, but, you know, at the start, it was entirely different. Aikman was still playing, I guess. <laughs> yes, he was. Yeah, and I, I do remember that. And, you know, they they talked about that in the Madden documentary. And they showed a few clips of the ads where they are like, you know, it's now going to be on Fox. Um, my, my son, you know, grew up. He's 31 or just, he'll be 32 this month, you know. Even he was talking about, because he loves the history of sports, you know, how much Fox changed things, you know, the Fox bug and, and you know, and the a very different pregame show. I mean, I grew up watching, you know, CBS, NFL on CBS with everyone, but there was a brand new kind of vibe, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. And everyone thought, okay, here comes the ruination of the NFL and so on. But they they eventually settled into a, it's a louder show than it used to be on CBS when they had Brent Musburger and yeah. Phyllis George and I think Irv Cross and right. those people. Jimmy uh, the Greek. Jimmy. Yeah, the ill-fated event. Yes. Jimmy the Greek. But, you know, they've had their team in place now on Fox for quite some time. I think Michael Strahan was the only new addition. That's been five, six, seven seasons. Oh, at least, yeah. Right after he retired. So uh, they, they're they kind of traditional now, too, although they're, they're certainly livelier than the rather dreadful yeah. CBS pregame show, which I think is going to undergo some major changes. Uh, that thing seems totally archaic. And on the subject of the NFL, I mean, they've never been bigger. In times when broadcast TV is getting just kind of an afterthought, getting swallowed up, a lot of people never watch a broadcast series anymore. They're watching streaming or cable. Um, the NFL ratings for the old traditional broadcast networks this past Sunday on Fox and CBS, uh, both games do more than, I think, upwards of uh, 50 million 
viewers and the NFL's ratings uh, set a record. They were highest they had been in a number of years. So the NFL is still the gift that keeps on giving. And that's why they broadcast networks. If they didn't have the NFL right now, and if it someday goes away, um, I don't know who's going to watch them anymore on any given, you know, it's still appointment TV on Sunday. Yeah. Of course the Super Bowl remains on a broadcast network for now. I think eventually or inevitably that will change, but for now you can still watch it quote free. Uh, one of the few major attractions with anymore. You can't watch, I mean, the baseball playoffs are on, you have to have cable to get at least all the way up to the world series. Uh, But all these games, the NFL's big showcase, they're all on broadcast networks, except for, they made an exception this year. They had a Monday night football game uh, on ESPN as one of the playoff games, but that's the only departure. What? Any thoughts on Amazon getting into the game? That's going to be yeah. a little weird, isn't it? It is because, you know, it used to be they would, you know, simulcast. Now they're going to be the sole home of yeah. football. If you don't have Amazon Prime, you don't get to watch that game. Now, I don't know. I would think because in markets where the, the, the teams are playing, like if there's a Cowboys game on Monday night football, used to yeah. be – one of the local broadcast stations would get the rights to that. Now, I don't know if that's going to be the same with Amazon Prime, whether because uh, they're going to get at least one Cowboys game, I'm sure. Sure. Season. Uh, and uh, I would think maybe that's still a deal that is going to result in, you know, WFAA or, yeah. Fox or somebody getting the game so that everyone can see it. But perhaps not. I'm, I'm not sure about that. I remember once Dale Hansen, and for those of you who are outside of the area, Dale Hansen was the longtime uh, ABC affiliate uh, sportscaster. You know, um, it was when the Cowboys were in a low period where ticket sales were down. And, you know, it's been a long time since the Cowboys have had a blackout where the the stadium did not sell out. So therefore the local station didn't show, you know, the game uh, and Hanson make a joke like, and we'll be showing West side story, you know, <laughs> like he was going to be on a Monday night football game. Uh, it, I, I think it's great. And I know according to Troy Aikman talking to the guys in the ticket and reports that he's in conversations, I I believe he is. I know he said he loves working with Joe Buck and I think they are a great team. Um, And even my son says, yeah, when Troy says the Cowboys sucks, it's because they suck. Uh, I hope they can work it where they two get to work together, but it would be kind of cool for him to work on Amazon as well. Uh, yeah, and that's not inconceivable. Uh, yeah. and it would be, it would be, it would make perfect sense because they do it now. I mean, they've got that yeah. team when Fox had the Thursday night game for several years, it was right for the most part Buck and Aikman. I think the big guy in play is Al Michaels, who, yes, uh, near the end of it, or he's at the end of his contract. He's 77 years old, hard to believe, but yeah, uh, reportedly, uh, ESPN is wooing him pretty heavily for the Monday night game, which badly needs a jolt at this point. And then for Michaels, that'd be like going back home again because he yeah. did Monday night football. Um, and he's remarkable. I still, I still think if I had to choose between a broadcast team 
I would still go uh, Michaels and Chris Collisworth, a, a bit of an edge over Aikman and Buck. And then Romo and Jim Nance are fun. Romo brings that incredible enthusiasm. He really he does. You see him jumping up and down and, in the, uh, from the broadcast booth. Uh, so there's that too. Uh, yeah. He doesn't have as many predictions of plays as he used to. No. But uh, they've got really solid teams there. And I, I think the only one in play now, Mike Tirico would be the heir apparent if Michaels leaves. Yeah. You see. But then would they get Collinsworth to go with him? I don't know. I, I did. Uh, Bob Costas had Michaels on his HBO yeah. show. Yeah. And I thought that was a great interview. Yeah. And uh, remarkable. Al Michaels has never eaten a vegetable. Yes. I thought that was. Not a- only has he never eaten one, but if his steak, which apparently he dines only on steak, and there yeah. must be something to be said for that since he's. Yeah. 77 and man looks great uh he says he will take it he will tell them to throw the steak out he doesn't want it because he fears the juices from the vegetable might seep somehow into the steak and that's just something he can't handle (laughs) yeah i think so that's that was that was a fun interview i i really enjoyed that um yeah i agree Uh, in fact the other day um chris brought a pad out and he says every time Romo says oh Jim I'm gonna make a mark and see uh and we have fun with that uh yeah I think Romo's done well um you know it I the Cowboys just seem to do pretty well uh at being broadcasters and I give me your thoughts I know that when Aikman was a player his interviews came across a little wooden yeah, and very stiff, and uh, and and I guess he's talked about it that not being the quarterback of Dallas Cowboys gave him a little more freedom to talk. But before that, he was always very mindful of what he was representing. No question, it was it was very much an open question how good Aikman would be as an analyst. Would he be too bland? Um, and he's turned out to be just fine. Uh, and I'm enjoying him more as time goes on. Yeah. I think he can be a little predictable in what he says uh, from time to time, but he is opinionated. Yes. Uh, a little calmer in the booth, to say the yeah. least, Tony Romo. Yeah. Right about these ex-cowboys, because uh, Daryl Johnston is still a pretty prominent member of the Fox team, and uh, they're, they're scattered all over the uh, – yeah, you know the NFL Network. Uh, yeah, Michael Irvin is a big presence there, certainly. Yes. Uh, so yeah, they uh, they've done quite well in the broadcast booth. They have. So switching over to music, uh, one of the things I said I wanted to talk to you about is, you know, the evolution and the thoughts of halftime shows. So, um, and for those of you who aren't sure, um, you know, hopefully you've listened to other episodes with Ed, but. Ed was the longtime TV critic for the Dallas Morning News. And then after he retired, had his online column for a fair amount of time, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he's been covering TV in every form um, possible. So people talk a lot about the halftime shows and how sometimes they're ridiculous, sometimes they're good. Um, let's just talk a little bit about the evolution. Like, 
did, was it ever a big deal uh, when you were covering, or was it just kind of a side note, early days of the uh, NFL Super Bowls? In the early days, it was very much sort of a throwaway. I'm not even sure if they showed the whole halftime show because it was marching band and up with people. Right. And people like Al Hurt and Pete Fountain were did an uncommonly large number of Super Bowl halftime shows. Even Carol Channing did a couple of them, if you can imagine that. And one, yeah. one year, then I, I don't remember how they did this. They had George Burns and Mickey Rooney as part of the halftime show. And probably the nadir of all halftime shows, the worst, was the whole show was done by an Elvis impersonator known as Elvis Presto. Uh, that was 1989. And- Oh, that late? Yeah, yeah. Wow. And that was considered to be sort of a breakthrough where they were sort of getting into, you know, rock music or pop music. Because it had been nothing but, you know, the Grambling State marching band was on a lot. Up with people, you can't get more squeaky, icky. Right, I remember those, yes. Four or five of them. Um, but they didn't, the modern era really of the big entertainer and the, the current day pop music entertainer didn't happen until 1993 with Michael Jackson was the first to kind of break through that mold. And ever since then, with a couple of uh, misses down the uh, in subsequent Super Bowls. It's been pretty much, you know, rock acts, uh, rap acts, uh, mm -hmm. pop, pop performers. And, you know, it's, to me, it's gotten so packaged and obviously lip synced in, in most cases uh, that I, it's, it's more spectacle to me than musical entertainment i mean some of them have really been good prince i thought was still my favorite you know he actually did purple rain in the rain a substantial rain during a super bowl and uh i thought you two they were the uh halftime show right after 9 11 uh very emotional that was a very strong one you know i have to say bruce springsteen has done one i don't remember a whole lot about it whether it really stood out you probably do yeah <laughs> More than well, I do. Yeah, they um, they opened with 10th Avenue Freeze Out. He did Working on a Dream, uh, Born to Run, and then Glory Days. Kind of a short little set. Um, you know, obviously, you know, my fan base, my listeners always want to put Bruce as the top show. I think, and you name the other two, I think you two after 9-11 and where they showed the names of all the victims and bono's flag you know inside his jacket um i believe i agree with prince i think that was amazing and then i throw bruce in there in the discussion i you know i think um you know mccartney was certainly interesting the who was interesting i mean you cycle through um what do you remember as a journalist with the whole janet jackson and all that brouhaha i mean that really caused a lot of problems for radio stations and and especially the ticket talked about how much this really the fcc kind of got on their ass well yeah with cbs was the, the network that year yeah and um i remember watching i'm watching the game at home and yeah. like many i'd say about 85 90 percent of viewers never noticed it at all and all of a sudden 
something lights up. I don't think Twitter, I guess Twitter might've been in its very early stages, but the internet yeah. as it were yes. lit up. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden I've got to run to the paper, go, you know, rush downtown to write a story on this, something that I really didn't notice at the time, but then was becoming this massive quote controversy. And yes, CBS was running scared for a fact. The next Super Bowl they did was considered a, a safe choice. And Paul McCartney was considered right. He's not going to do any nipple reveal or anything like yes. that. And even if he did, so what? Uh, right. They were, they were really running scared from the FCC for a, a year or more. Uh, it had a very uh, dampening effect on uh, broadcast content across the board. Because all of a sudden you got all these people, oh, this is obscene and these networks have been getting away with this for too long and blah, blah, blah. And uh, so, you know, even though it was a minuscule little thing in reality, yes. it had huge repercussions. It, it really did. And, um, and, you know, Justin Timberlake and her like, right. It's just like, what, what do we do? Uh, did, um, what do you, you talked about the spectacle and, uh, you know, and I kind of tend to go, if I knew the artist, I'm interested. If not, I'm okay. Uh, it's been a long drought since the Cowboys have even been close to a Super Bowl. So I am a casual viewer at last. What, as you talk about this, the NFL is a golden goose. Um, the amount of coverage you get, you know, on the game day. I mean, you have a pre-show of a pre-show and then you have an after show. It is just ridiculous. It is. But advertisers are willing to pay for it. And, yeah. you know, people who just have the set on. I mean, they're having a party or whatever. Yeah. Ready to have a party. And the TV's just on. And, you know, right. what else are you going to put on? There's going to be, you know, I guess the puppy bowl or yes. whatever. Mm-hmm. Somewhere. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, you know, it is too much, obviously. Yeah. But we've known that for a long time. And it's not going to stop. It's certainly not going to shrink or get smaller. The thing I wish would shrink. Mm-hmm. Halftime shows now. Um, there's so much spectacle. The people in the stadium you know, for the most part, they're going to have to watch it on a big screen. They can't see the show. Right. Uh, I wish that they would do uh, it maybe an indoor or an outdoor venue outside the stadium, right near the stadium where whoever is performing could actually do it live the way they would in a concert without all the attendant histrionics and, and lights and whatever gimmicks they have to come up with now to, to make a visual splash as well as an audio impression and try it that way i would love to see like if springsteen returned and he were in you know maybe a ten thousand seat venue or less than at a theater and they would just say here's the halftime show and he would play for 15 minutes and not have to you know do any fireworks or any of that stuff concentrate on the music um but we probably are beyond the point of that ever happening i guess because the, the super bowl halftime show it's almost like hosting the oscars now uh, it's kind of a thankless job you get big exposure and uh and believe it or not these guys they don't get paid for this they, all their expenses are paid but the artists are not paid to do the right. halftime show. 
And for a while, the NFL actually wanted a cut of their residual sales from the Super Bowl. And, and that didn't happen. Right. You know, I, I just think there's so much pressure on these artists and with the internet and Twitter and whatever being the way it is, they're going to get ripped invariably, you know, Oh, I hate this show, you know, like five minutes in and, and, uh, and then you're going to have this big, Oh, you're just an old person who, you know, you're mad that it's not Lawrence Welk or somebody. And so I wish they would downsize it, but again, that's I'm sure is wishful thinking because I'd like to see a real show, a real music show, not just yeah. You know, probably gonna have five artists uh, for the latest uh, right. Super Bowl like half. whether I'm it's forward to, I think it could be fairly interesting and good because I think they will have to perform it live. Or the rappers certainly. I don't know if Eminem can lip sync or, or yeah. Lamar. Yeah, because like I think when you you just mentioned some of the best, right, that, um, you know, Prince or YouTube were just out there just performing, just it's not a necessarily. And I realize you need, you know, glitz and glamour, but that's a good idea I because I've had people on the podcast. A couple of people were there at Tampa and they were part of the volunteers of and they practice, you know, you have to come out, you have to set up that stage, you have to get everything ready, the band has to perform and then you got to take everything off in a set amount of time like clockwork yeah. to make that and so if you had it set up aft outside, um, you actually could um, almost logistically you could do a pregame show, you know, with the band and then cut to a moment like this is where we're going to go show that 15 minutes, then come back to the stadium and then everyone in the audience could hear even a longer set. So that would be fun. Yeah, because the halftime is about twice as long as it is for a regular NFL yeah. game. Like you said you have to set things up first. Yeah. Uh, so there's no way you do this in 15 minutes. You know, it's at least yeah. a half hour, maybe longer. Probably has a certain effect on the teams. Maybe they yeah. get, uh, maybe the, uh, it'd be interesting. I don't know the study has ever yeah. done about how they look in the initial stages of the second yeah. half, whether they look rusty and uh, whatever. But mm -hmm. um, it, it's an artificial thing that happens only once a year in terms of the break between the first and second halves. We also get, you know, it's also a lot of hype about who's going to do the uh, Star Cycle banner, you know, and there there is usually music, you know, pregame show. I think the ultimate someone made fun of is uh, switching like the pregame for the Kentucky Derby compared to how long the actual race is like oh, it would be like yeah, it, it, more absurd yeah i mean they, they would be like a two you'd have 48 hours of super bowl thing if it was the same thing but i'm guilty lynn and i usually have it on the background of you know for derby day and uh you know because we have we had gone to the stadium before and uh big fans of uh the tourism in kentucky because of all the bourbon distilleries <laughs> um, you know, I, will, I will say one super bowl halftime show that i liked because i thought they actually achieved the spectacle was katie perry I, I i thought her show was extremely inventive and it was i think it was just her there may have been other artists involved yeah. i don't remember but 
I remember the visually it was quite something. Uh, yes. and that one I thought it worked, but uh, I don't know. I, I, again, I wish they're never going to take my advice, obviously. <laughs> well, yeah. But man, I'd love to see an actual uh, musical show yeah. uh, stripped of all the showy elements. Yeah. Well, and I think it's the same thing. Um, you know, I, Charlotte Jones um, has a thankless job. Um, she is Jerry Jones' daughter, for those of you guys who aren't from the DFW area. And she is the one in charge of other things, marketing, but she organizes the cowboy halftime show for Thanksgiving, which is always oh. a big deal. It kicks off the red kettle. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, it is hard to find a, an artist that, you know, wants to come in, play that, that short of a set. Um, and it's, it's difficult to get someone that we as an audience don't go, Oh, that's cool. You know, a lot of times we just go, really, that's, that's who it is. And I know the guys on intentional grounding, a local sports state, you know, one of the yeah. shows on the ticket always make fun of her about who they're getting. <laughs> it's kind of been downsized. I think in the last couple yeah. of years, we haven't had any really big no. names. I no, I remember <laughs> Cheryl Crow multiple years ago, uh, which was a pretty big deal. Yeah. yeah. Um, so one of the things that used to matter, and I'm curious from your perspective, does it still, um, when networks were a thing and uh, the, the, they would debut a new series or they would have a special episode of an existing series yes. post the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. That doesn't seem to be a thing anymore. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I don't think it helps any more than the so-called Olympics platform. Networks invest a huge amount of promotional money into advertising during the summer or winter Olympics. Yeah. yeah. Use it as a launch pad. And for the most part, it's just not the same audience. And I can remember one year, uh, gosh, uh, did Fox ever have the Olympics? I thought it was some big thing. And okay. they just heard a lot of, of, you know, this, it was a show, I think it was called Skin. And they developed, they just devoted tons and tons of promotion to it. And it arrived DOA. It was like, yeah. Cancel or three weeks or something and i just don't think there's much of a carryover if anything people get sick of seeing the same promos over and over during the olympics if you're watching two weeks worth of olympics you're going to see that promo yeah. 50 times or more um so I, yeah i, I you know there, there's certainly a sampling that goes on of shows it probably doesn't hurt anything yeah, well, I don't know if it's really uh, there's much of a carryover effect anymore. Because because I know in the past, like they had a Friends episode that was pretty right. famous. Yes. Um, you know they've premiered um, other shows after it, um, but I think just the way the as you talked about the network has just lost so much, and you know even looking at the Emmys, it's very rare that a actually network show because almost everything is either hbo or amc or you know showtime or you know even amazon prime disney plus you just name them 
Netflix, Apple yeah. TV Plus, which yeah. is um, just huge in just the last two years. Some really yeah. great series. Yeah, I yeah. Yeah, the broadcast, the allure. God, when I when I first started, it was basically three broadcast networks. Fox wasn't even here yet. There was yeah. no cable to speak of in Dallas back in 1980. So they right. had 90% of the audience still back in 1980. And now, gosh, I mean, what is their percentage? Maybe on a good night, 20%? I, yeah. if that, uh, you know, people are watching TV on their own time. And uh, they, uh, I, broadcast network, TV is pretty much dead to me, except for uh, a local newscast or the network evening newscast and sports and, and maybe a big award show like the Oscars or the Emmy. That's it. I mean, I, I really don't watch broadcast networks at all anymore. I I haven't seen any of their new series in the last year or so. Well, I know (laughs) one of the things that has surprised people and I did jump on that bandwagon pretty early is uh, CBS's Ghosts. Yeah. Um, you know, the the right. lead actress was on the um, CWI Zombie, which I think CW, yeah. And, and I really liked that series. It had a nice tone, kind of funny, a good thing, a d- different take on a zombie genre. And mm-hmm. so I, w- I watched the episode just because of her and it's turned out to be something charming and mm-hmm. it's, it, it's kind of found a, a, a pretty, a lot of buzz. I don't know how that translates in viewers, but uh, I know Variety did a special, that, uh, did an article about it a couple of weeks ago or this week that the CBS executives are kind of, what? We have a show that's on TikTok that has a TikTok <laughs> following? <laughs> yeah, astonishing. Well, yeah. you know, but now they're in terms of, Paramount Plus, which they're more interested really in reality yeah. market than that. Yeah. We see some of these CBS shows, like Evil is just exclusive. Yeah. Paramount Plus. And also uh, now they've renewed SEAL Team. Yeah. Whatever reason. Uh, that, that was on a broadcast network for five or six years. Yeah. It'll be exclusively on Paramount TV. And uh, I wonder if um, or Paramount Plus. Yeah. I wonder if Ghost has, you know, a large part of its audience comes from watching. It, I bet, I bet oh. you it does because, um, like the Good Fight is on that, and I really enjoy. Um, it's become, you know, um, in fact, there's plans about doing a Star Trek channel on that's a spinoff Paramount Plus because there's so much, you know, Star yeah, Trek like information. Five new Star Trek series are, are yeah Paramount Plus. They also the the Frasier reboot, which has been you know sort of start and go for or start and stop for yeah several years. Apparently now it's finally going to be a reality, but it's not going to be on a broadcast network. It's going to be on Paramount Plus. Yeah. You've got Kelsey Grammer and uh, but apparently do not have David Hyde Pierce and uh, so uh, and I don't know if Jane Leaves will be a part of it. And of course not. I'm, I'm terribly blanking on the actor who played Frazier's Crane's father, but he, John yeah. Mahoney, he's to yeah. see. So it'll right. be quite a different show, I imagine. Probably yeah. not even set in Seattle anymore. Right. But it's going to a streaming network. Yeah, uh, that's 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 fascinating. Is there anything you're watching right now, Ed, that you that you're enjoying? 
we've been watching American Rust on Showtime, and uh, which is it's just it, watched four episodes so far. Still kind of thinking it's not bad. So with Jeff yeah. Daniels, kind of a semi murder mystery. Uh, the Gilded Age right now uh, from Julian Fellows, creator of Downton Abbey, just started on HBO. Been watching that. Um, vintage Julian Fellows, he does the same show over and over. You yeah. write very well. This one's set in New York. Uh, and so it's uh, a different setting, at least. You don't have the British accent. Yeah. And they've been able to work in a, a woman of color. So that's different, too. But um, a very good... Uh, series so far very watchable been watching that um let's see what else series wise uh waiting for all these apple tv plus shows yeah me too i know you and i both are big for all mankind fans i just think that's so well done just just so well written so well acted and and it's such a great period piece um that and I think just the unique concept of if Russia had landed, if the Soviet Union had landed on the moon first, how that would have changed. And they've done a great job of tweaking it just a little, you know, it, it isn't so it's totally unrecognizable, but it's just, I think, very creative. Yeah, very, very underrated Emmy wise. I hope it will get you know more recognition as time goes on. Yeah, Nightmare Alley last night, which again, you know, HBO Max has so many new movies that you yeah. know, open in theaters and simultaneously open on HBO Max or within a week or two. And I th- and Bradley Cooper is a star of that. And that's a great period movie, I thought, uh, you know, long, it's two and a half hours, but it's yeah. uh, just recreates the, the Carney area or Carnival era of the late 1930s early 40s and uh so i would highly recommend that oh, and good. I, did, I did guess the quote astonishing ending uh, a third of the way through okay good uh, for you but it didn't matter yeah uh, I, I was i could have watched it i could have uh, uh, that would would have made a good series to me yeah that you could easily turn nightmare alley into a weekly series on HBO. I will check that out. Um, I watched the first episode of Reacher last night, um, and it was, I thought it was pretty good. I, you know, I know there's been a little bit of complaints about the lead actor who had, was on the HBO Titans, um, and and I thought he was pretty good in that. Um, I've only read a couple of the Jack Reacher novels, but it was enough that I thought it was a pretty good uh, startup. Interesting you should mention that. I, I have not seen it yet. Yeah. I thought America's ready to just sit back and watch some a muscle man. Yes. Around. And that's and exactly what this is. It's like walking tall. <laughs> yes, it is. But so what? You know, it's like people are, I, I do think we're, we're in times where it's, gosh, there's so much television that still that preaches at you. And we got to get past that. Uh, there's just a lot of stuff that's, you know, correct for one reason or another. Uh, this show looks like a complete throwback, yeah. uh, you know, but something, uh, that you say, you know, I, I'm ready for that. I just don't want to be, you know, have to think about a, a cause or, you know, is that correct? Or should I complain about this? Cause they're doing this and 
Um, so I hope that in the coming years, um, we will get back a little more to entertaining above all. Uh, and it doesn't mean that you can't have messages or merit or, you know, in addition to a very entertaining drama or comedy, but I, I think we can't keep on this route um, because people are, I think, are tired of, they're tired of COVID, they're tired of all the attendant drama that goes with it and the political divide, et cetera, et cetera. I, I agree with you. I very much so. Well, um, Ed, as always, I appreciate the time. We will do this again in a couple of months. Uh, you, uh, your Uncle Barky on Twitter, uh, you, um, you still do a pretty good job of giving good commentary on either sporting events or on different things and you're always um pushing for more diversity in the uh cable news network and i applaud that <laughs> yeah we didn't get around to that the, the jeff yeah. Zucker, uh, resignation uh, at cnn which is, yeah that's pretty wild yeah it comes at a time when they're trying to launch cnn plus in a couple of months spending a lot of money on that, a lot of promotional effort Got yeah those- going to work i don't i don't know i don't see how it works but who knows? Yeah. And, uh, so now they've got to uh find somebody to take that network i think in a new direction uh, brian williams uh re- resigned uh, you know uh for now retired um i'm sure he'll do something else he reportedly turned down the cbs evening news job that Nora o'donnell wow it's a i don't I'm not interested in that kind of thing anymore, which kind of shows again. I used to be the holy grail. You get one of those three chairs. Sure, yeah. Your career, you, you've reached the top of the mountain of your news career. Now it's kind of, yeah, I don't know. I'm not, I don't want to do that. <laughs> which is kind of funny. You're right. Well, all right. Thank you, sir. You appreciate it. Stay warm. Uh, we will visit again soon. Uh, listeners, you. Uh, hope you are staying warm during this code time. Enjoy the Super Bowl and all that's going. Do you have a prediction on who you think will win, Ed? Yeah, I'm going to stick my neck out and say that Joe Burrow is the real thing and he's going to find a way to win that game. Um, but it wouldn't surprise me if it went entirely the other way, but I'll say Cincinnati in a close game. Uh, yeah, I um, as a as a cowboy fan, I've got no horse in this race. Though um, I love Stafford because he grew up in the DFW area, big ticket fan. But um, I originally am from Louisiana. My sister and all my family bleed LSU, so um, it would be a great story. This kid from LSU, uh, you know, to come back and and they were talking about the triple crown that very that no quarterback has ever done a national championship and Heisman and a Super Bowl. Hmm. Um, there's two or three other like Dorsett did it as a running back, but no quarterback has ever done it before. That's interesting. Wow. Yeah. And people forget, you know, people don't forget, but I mean, a year yeah. ago, he was recuperating from what looked like it could be almost a career ending yeah. injury, a severe, uh, you know, tear and, uh, and, you know, they'd cart him off and the fact that he's in a Super Bowl a year later uh, is again, you know, with a long dormant franchise yeah, that has never won a Super Bowl. So it'll be a first for They've been in two other ones and they've lost both of them in close ones. So um, for that reason, also, yeah. I guess I'd like to see Cincinnati 
maybe finally break through. That sounds great. All right, uh, everyone, we will talk to you soon. We will have Uncle Barky back on in a couple of months. Thanks, guys. Bye. Doing a podcast at times can be a one-way conversation, and I hate that. So please let me know what you like and don't like about the work I'm doing. You can reach the podcast via email at setlessingbruce at gmail.com. The show is on Twitter, at setlustingbruce, and my personal Twitter is at jessejacksondfw. We have a website, www.setlessingbruce.com. From there, you can find links to other Springsteen podcasts, as well as other music-themed podcasts. We have a page devoted to our own SLB All-Star Band. These are guests who have been on the podcast more than three times. There is a link to our store where you can purchase Set Lessing Bruce shirts, as well as a Merry Question t-shirt. There is a link to our Patreon page where you can sign up to help support the podcast financially. We have different levels and different rewards based on your support. If you don't have any extra cash, and right now who does, you can support the podcast by subscribing via your favorite podcast player and leaving us a review. The more reviews we have, the easier it is for people to find us. And please tell a friend about the podcast, especially if they love Bruce or music, because it will make a difference. You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thinking, joy spreading, lyric reading, story sharing podcast that is the one, the only. The theme for Set Lessing Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by permission. What would you do to achieve the American dream? The big house, the happy family, the money. Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would they shop? Would they shop? Would you kill? Yes. <laughs> My mom and dad. My mom and my dad. From Airship, the studio behind American Scandal, comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who killed their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions, and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, Whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, The Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts, or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at IntoHistory.com.